Hey there, Attack on Titan fans. Welcome back to the Attack on Titan After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 2, Pain. Guys, we have an aerial steampunk stagecoach race to get to, along with devastating ramifications regarding the the reveal about Historia, and not to mention the fact that, like, Armin's going to have issues now, guys. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. You know, Still not used to that opening. you <laughs> not used to anything yet. No. You know, uh, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, but like uh, we'll we'll save it for a different like discussion within this episode. But like knowing Linked Horizon is still involved in the music of this show makes me feel a lot better about the transition to this new opening for oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Now they have the really crazy ending theme when we're all sitting oh. there going, what, what is happening? <laughs> what am I watching? What just happened? We're going to talk about it. But first, hey there, Titan fans. Welcome back to AfterBuzz TV. We are talking about Season 3, Episode 2. Let's not waste any time. Let me go ahead and introduce my fantastic panel. To my left, Veronica Valencia. What's up, guys? To her left, Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. And to my left, <laughs> all the way around here, I'm Megan Salinas. <laughs> uh, three lefts make a right? Is that how that goes? Um, Two wrongs don't make a right, but three rights make a left. There you go. Uh, sadly, Alexis Torres could not be here with us tonight. She is under the weather. So, guys, please send her your well wishes at atorres890. But, guys, while you're on Twitter, we're going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTVTitan. So, if you guys have fun memes to send, Send our way or fun commentary regarding this episode. We'll be keeping an eye out there. Katie's also got you covered on the live chat for those of you guys watching live with us. Hey, everybody. Raindrops on Rosa says, Attack on Titan, more like Attack on Armin's Sanity. Am I right? Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you are. That's, oh uh, gosh. That's that we also have someone with a with a name of Donate to Help Me Get a Stepladder and a Rope. As in, like, this show makes them want to kill themselves? Is that it? What? I kind of read that as, get me out of this pit, but you're probably right. I apologize. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry. Dark. Well, uh, it's just the f- most interesting chat name I've seen in a long time. It's certainly a long one. Um, but yeah, ladies, let's go ahead and start talking about this episode. Uh, let's... What are our initial thoughts? Because I, I was talking about this a little bit before the show, some shows like to kick off a season with a really big episode, and then the momentum sort of slows down a little bit from there. I don't necessarily feel like Attack on Titan believes in slowing down too, too much right out of the gate. I don't think anything about this show is ever slow at any point. (laughs) It's just one big thing after the other. Yeah, even when things do slow down, you're like white knuckled on the seat going like, okay, when when's the other shoe going to drop? <laughs> exactly. Just Ugh. good lord. The, the, this entire episode, I think on our part, was just a lot of screaming and a lot of, what? What? <laughs> what? I mean, I was just so fixated on Levi during the first half of it. The animation. Uh, oh, oh, that's gosh. where the animation budget for this season went. Absolutely. I'm so happy that, it did. <laughs> it's, it was beautiful. 
I, I really appreciate when trailers for a season don't give away too much. Like, most of what we've seen in in the, the trailer for this season has been presented in, like, these first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, I'm I'm leaning forward going, okay, yay, what comes next? Um, so uh, speaking of that opening scene, yeah, let's talk about it. Because we left off on the last episode on a cliffhanger. And... What we're treated to uh, is not necessarily something that Titan does a whole, whole lot, but it picks up immediately where it left off mm-hmm. and goes right into the into the swing of things before the opening gets started. Gets right into our, our steampunk cowboy battle. Yes! Rhinestone murder cowboy is going for it. Yeah. I like how somebody, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was on, um, I think it was on Twitter, um, somebody put that rhinestone murder cowboy TM with the actual TM <laughs> on it. I think it was on Twitter. Yeah. I'm gonna yep. check the hashtag. You know what? Yeah, I'm down. I mm-hmm. One of these days we're gonna start the show with rhinestone cowboy and I will be ridiculously happy, but we gotta wait for the right episode for that. So, yeah, what transpires is not necessarily a one-on-one showdown with Kenny and Levi. It's more like Kenny and, like, seven or eight of his, of his closest friends and Levi. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> what... Kenny and company. Kenny and, and company and, and Levi. Levi. So, yeah, what did we think of this whole sort of chase showdown? And yet, Kenny and company could not take down Levi. Yes! <laughs> That's my boy. I love that he holed up in a bar, of all places. Yes. And I was so sure after that alcohol spill that Kenny was going to shoot the alcohol and cause a fire. And I wonder if that wasn't the plan, and Levi just preempted it. Probably. By throwing chairs everywhere. <laughs> The uh, the thing that like t- initially took me aback um, was seeing the grappling hooks used as a weapon in, instead of like Ooh. just an instrument from getting po- from point A to Ooh. point B. Actually, seeing the grappling hook being used to take out someone on multiple occasions. Like, did this you show need just- that kidney? Nah. This show just it never ceases to amaze me with stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to use this as a weapon now. And I'm just like, I wouldn't have thought of that. But you did. I mean, he was raised by a serial killer, so I'm sure that... Yeah. Well, it's actually not the first time um, the show has shown us uh, grappling hooks being used against... Like, not necessarily against someone, but used to catch someone. Um, Very, very beginning of the series, when the Colossal Titan attacked Trost right after they all graduated, uh, Sasha used the grappling hook to grab someone by the leg. Right through the ankle. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all just kind of went... Okay. okay. I, don't, I don't know if Samuel made it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, there's precedent there. She it's, figured it out. But yeah, it's still it's still even though it was like gruesome, it was still like she was using it to try to help somebody, as mm. opposed to Levi, who's y- literally using every tool at his disposal to try to stay one step ahead of this group, who up until this point has been able to predict him and his team down to a T. Yeah. No, I mean I. I love that. I just kind of, again, like you said, it's graphic, so it's kind of like, "Eh, should I, should I not like it? But I almost kind of did like just how ruthless he was, because it just goes to show, like, you know, he's top ring for a reason, and I just absolutely love that. But then also in the bar, again, Attack on Titan kind of finding ways to bring in some type of comedy when, you know, it's just like out of nowhere, he gets like the shotgun and just like 
gets Kenny. And I'm just like, whoa, did not see that coming. You are so smart. I love you. <laughs> For me, it was that poor bartender going, welcome to our establishment. <laughs> that poor bartender. <laughs> he was so scared. I I have to say, my favorite part of this episode was Levi jettisoning through into the saloon, literally rocketed through a saloon, a swinging saloon door. Mm. Like, I, like knowing that he went into an old-timey western saloon, of all things, I was like... To have a showdown with a cowboy. There's a cowboy <laughs> who's calling him out right outside, who's gonna kick his way through that saloon door and then he didn't and then Kenny didn't kick the door open he jumped through revert like anti-ODM gear first (laughs) that's a good way of putting it oh man he's such a character he makes his own sound effects with his mouth guys (laughs) bang bang (laughs) who does that crazy Uh, people yeah (laughs) to be to be honest I actually thought that the scene in the bar between Levi and Kenny was going to be a little bit more dramatic. I didn't think Kenny would hold back. Like I thought he was going to go in there and immediately just start going crazy. But he wasn't. He was more taunting Levi than anything. And then obviously Levi takes the first shot. He styles himself after a cowboy. People that do that aren't... So- I-, I lived in Wyoming for a while. <laughs> and contrary to popular belief, not everyone in Wyoming is a cowboy. But the people who choose to walk around outside of Frontier Days every day in the boots, the shirt, the hat, the sometimes even the spurs. Let me tell you, those were interesting days. Like, there's a man in spurs at the mall. Why? Those people are not subtle. They have made their life decisions and they are living them. Kenny is one of those people. Fun fact, historically speaking, most cowboys in real life were Mexican. Yep. Yeah, but American cinema leans a little bit more towards John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, which is why we have the image of the American cowboy as the way we do. So Kenny's not only a serial killer, he's also a cosplayer. Yeah. <laughs> if we're if we are if we're in believe, Europe, then if yeah. If we're to believe that yes, we are in what once was Europe, then yes. <laughs> Unless. Kenny is like Emir, and he came from, I guess, an American set of walls, crossed the ocean, climbed up another set of walls, and then made his living in the underbelly of our current society slash kingdom. Then, yes, he's a cosplayer. (laughs) He is a cowboy cosplayer, and he likes it just for the theatrics. I mean, he is a very, very expressive, loud man. So yes, cowboy. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to make a name for yourself, you gotta have you gotta have a brand. You gotta have a gimmick to get noticed. And he's staying very on brand, like to the point of even like luring Levi to like, oh, there's a saloon over there. If I can just get him cornered there, then I get to make my big old speech, and it'll be great. We well, can have a showdown at the uh, a showdown at the Oh No Corral. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, because nothing is okay right now. <laughs> to uh, to get back a little bit to the animation in this episode, before I I, I literally just watched the episode before we came into the studio because I've been traveling all week. But um, early on, like over the weekend, I saw somebody tweeting out a GIF, and I was so excited for this episode. And I'm trying to find it now because they had a great little tidbit. So. 
uh, Arifumi Imai might be the only... This person at Pesasus on Twitter right? Arifumi Imai might be the only animator who can make Levi look this good with three maneuver gear. Seamless and perfect synchronization between the 2D animation skills and the 3D background is his skill. So I believe... I don't, uh, I don't know if he's the lead animator working on the show, but he's working... This is an animator working on the show, and I'm gonna start keeping an eye out for this guy's name. If I had a little bit more time before the, the show got started tonight, I would have looked up his resume. So I'm going to be looking at that up before next week because holy cow. Just, mm-hmm. this is some of the most impressive animation I think the show has put on display to date. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say Attack on Titan always takes great pride in its animation. Like, that's the one thing you can count on with this series is you know you're going to get some great animation, but then there are just Now mom- they do. Now they do. But there are just <laughs> moments in the show that just surpass all of your expectations, such as that one. Like, it was beautiful just seeing him, like, swing through the city. Yeah, being chased and just the the twists and turns, rounding corners, going up past roofs, swinging back down towards the ground. I'm like, I in my mind, I don't necessarily equate like Spider Man and anime, but I'm like, I really want to watch a Spider Man anime now with this lead animation team. Just do this because mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's steampunk Spider Man moves. Oh, it's that's so awesome. good. I honestly, well, and, okay, uh, go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna say, like, I got lost just with how it was going everywhere and how seamless it all looked. I can't imagine actually drawing that and possibly getting lost in just drawing everything. Well, and that's like goes into what I was gonna say actually. The choreography on this, the framing, that yeah, the animation was beautiful, but you can have beautiful animation and nothing else. This, the whole package was sublime. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was absolutely mesmerizing to watch. Uh, did you guys, up until the, the, the showdown with Kenny, did you guys have a favorite moment just in this whole sort of sequence leading up to the showdown? Leading up Turning to- a corner and having three people right in front of him. Just that moment of, nope! <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like in from the beginning of this episode to this showdown. Yeah. Ooh. I know it's hard because it's so smooth. And like you said, you just, mm-hmm. you get mesmerized by it's just it. Everything. And it's so fast. You just kind of remember, boy, that was amazing. But go back for specifics. Like, part of the reason that's my favorite moment is because that's the one that stands out in my memory. Just that, how quickly can I backpedal sort of moment. But everything else is just like, this is amazing and I love it. I I really liked, uh, again, um, the way Levi incorporated the use of the grappling hooks, um, using them to wound somebody and then grab that person and then, like, use his swords against that person as well. Like, again, it, it's so tactical. As you said, the choreography is top notch. So And hauling someone in as a meat shield. <sighs> oh, that brutal. was a thing. So brutal. But he has to be because he knows who he's up against. And that's another thing to keep in mind is that, like, Levi is resorting to all of these tactics. And that, though that's kind of terrifying and though that's incredibly cold and as as we get to later in this episode, we find maybe not 100% in the right, too, even though they're defending themselves. You have to keep in mind that... If whatever what Kenny says can be believed, he's the one that taught Levi to think this way mm-hmm. and to move this way. And it's just like, oh. and also he's murdered a hundred people. Like it was one hundred, right? 
It was it was one hundred military yeah. police officers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's he, yeah, he's a serial killer of the highest order. If that number can be believed, because usually you become a serial killer by having three, four victims at that point. A hundred. Like you have to pretty pull out, sure you, you're more of a mass murderer at that point. Yeah, possibly. You, you have to pull out all of the stops at that point. Because this man has gone in to do a murder and succeeded a hundred times. Like, the gloves were off after number, like, three. And those were just the serial killer ones. Like, he very, like, he does not hesitate. He killed three people on Levi's teams right here and there. Um, I do want to ask, though, because Levi's just as surprised as we are. It's like, hey, if that thing about him... Being a killer, uh, a serial killer who's killed 100 members of the military police. If that is true, why would he then be working for the military police? Oh, you ask such good it's questions. You, you, you find someone who is, di- anyone who plays Overwatch is like, oh yeah, Sorry. Jesse McCree. Sorry, Cowboys. Katie, you were met with dead silence. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we don't know what you're talking about. Evidently, it's a cowboy thing. If you find a cowboy who, is re- who has committed a crime and you manage to catch him, you can either send him to jail for the rest of his life, or you can recruit him to your black ops organization. <laughs> if Kenny shows up with a robot arm, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, yeah, so that is the Jesse McCree backstory, and I would not be at all surprised if at some point they found Kenny and said, either you die or you work for us and continue to kill, but we choose the targets. And he went, that sounds like a great idea. You know, while I didn't I'm going to continue to murder. Well, I didn't really understand the beginning half of that. <laughs> I do think that's like a big possibility. The fact that they caught him and he has basically two options. Like, we can kill you or you can come work for us and basically we won't have any tabs on you. Just do what you got to do to get it done. We'll look the other way. Yeah. You do whatever you gotta do. I mean, that's kind of what we saw last episode with Hanji and Pastor Nick and just basically kind of how this other military police kind of just gets things done. <laughs> Talk about their black ops unit. <sighs> we'll get to that. Um, yep. Do we have any other things, uh, any, anything else we want to comment on regarding the animation um, before we, we make a quick announcement? Um, are we are we into that other bullet point there? Uh, let's let's make our quick announcement first before we move uh, on to topics. So, folks, okay. uh, we have a quick announcement for you guys, as we do every week. Mm-hmm. Hey, After Buzzers, our network produces after shows for nearly all your favorite TV shows. From dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, because they're optional. So hit that subscribe button now for this channel, and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did, so in the comments, and we'll thank you on air. For now, thanks for being the best fans, and for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we, Megan and I live on the animation channel. 
Yeah, so. there's a lot of fun shows for you guys to check out. Uh, Voltron, this show. There's so so much on the animation that the Animation Channel has to give. The and weekly anime uh, one, I believe they're doing. Um, my Hero. My Hero. Thank you. My brain just stopped for a moment there. And one of the reasons we're so frazzled is because we're gearing up to cover RTX for Rooster Teeth reviews. So guys, you need to subscribe if you want to stay up to date on all of that stuff as it goes down this week. So be sure to hit that like button and subscribe all that stuff if you feel so inclined so thank you guys so so much for listening all right let's get down to probably the most heart-wrenching part of this episode mm-hmm. um levi once uh once the rest of the team gets caught back up basically gives the order of like hey guys you know i told mikasa this earlier you're not just fighting titans anymore we're have we're gonna have to fight people and they've got our friends so do a murder if you if you, you get it done, you can't hesitate. It mm-hmm. was the long and short of it. If you have to kill them, then do it. You can't hesitate, or it could cost you your life, or it could cost them their lives. So that's what ends up happening. They get control back of the wagon, and Jean has a moment where he has somebody at his mercy and yells for them to stop, and she doesn't. She mm-hmm. knocks his weapon out of her, out of Jean's hand, and in order to save him, Armin has to kill her. And this creates a very interesting sort of moral question for Armin. And I feel like this is definitely a turning point for this character, because he doesn't view them as good people anymore. No, I mean... I think that entire sequence was just, it was very heartbreaking because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be a little fuzzy from previous seasons, but obviously Levi and Mikasa, they've had in they've had very troubled upbringings where people have betrayed them. It wasn't just Titans who ruined their lives. Whereas other characters such as Armin, John, Sasha, and even Connie, like a lot of their issues and a lot of the things that they hate in the world are titans. They haven't really had that sense of people betraying them. And so they don't see... Yeah, they hum- signed up to protect people. Yeah, yeah, they don't see humans as evil. So the fact that Armin is like, well, I have to kill humans now is very difficult for him. Armin has never really been the violence person out of our main trio. No. no. He's the <laughs> strategy guy. And so when someone like that has to turn around and take the shot, that's always a really difficult thing to do. And as they say, yeah, no, it's an awful choice. But if you hadn't taken the shot, uh, Jean would probably be dead. So you brought up a good point, though, the fact that you did say he is more the strategist to the fact that he had less hesitation than Jean. I think was kind of interesting. Well, Jean's in a very interesting position right now, too. The scouts were never his first choice. He wanted to join the military police, not because he felt like they lived up to any sort of ideal, but because he wanted the easy life. He He wanted wanted that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But does he want it now? (laughs) Sipping tea and eating diamonds. (laughs) Whatever they do in the interior. Torture Um, people, evidently. Sheesh. But for him, these are the people that would have been his his comrades, conceivably. Maybe not these specific people, no. not these specific murder cowboys, but the military police. Uh, <laughs> the murder cowboy squad. I mean, they line dance MP could also just be murder police. Um, yeah. But Shoot, you're right. <laughs> it wasn't funny. It's alright. It was to me. But, 
counts. So, so like that, and again, Jean was sort of out of action for a lot of this past season too. Um, he was, although he was there for the big betrayal. But yeah, this is something new and really unsettling for him too. And when they're all having this discussion about whether or not it was the right thing to do, whether or not they're in the right for attacking their fellow humans, he he comes to the realization of like, no, I thought it was wrong at first, but now I see that you're right, Levi. And Levi counters with, am I? I'm not really feeling much of that. Like, And I think that has to do a lot with Again, setting, we talked about this a little bit last week, but setting the theme for this season is what's right or wrong in terms of, like, what do we believe in anymore? Because up until this point, we had dedicated to ourse- ourselves to a specific institution, and now that's sort of all crumbling and falling apart. We're not fighting monsters. Mm-hmm. We're fighting other groups of people. The institution that we had dedicated ourselves towards is trying to kill our friends. Mm-hmm. I think for Sean, it's very easy for him to kind of be like, yes, this was right. It's very black and white to him. Whereas for Levi, he knows about, like, the corrupt stuff that's going on in the interior. He knows about, you know, the obstacles that the scouts have had to face dealing with, you know, the military police. So he's got a lot more knowledge where he's, like, a little... I don't think conflicted is the right word, but he's a little bit more... Like, it's not as black and white to him. He does what he has to do because he has to do it, not necessarily because he's like, this is the absolute truth and this is the absolute right. There's a lot more moral ambiguity here. Um, When this show first started, I I remember seeing a lot of comparisons to The Walking Dead. And as the show progresses, I see that sort of more and more. And I don't mean that as like a knock against the show, but in terms of like the zombie undead monsters aren't really the biggest threat that we have to face. It's other people and dealing with other factions. We Uh, haven't hunkered down at a farm for a season yet, so I feel like we're good. Thank goodness. But, um, oh, go ahead. I Just thinking about Jean, everyone in this class, everyone in this squad has a thing, has some sort of defining characteristic. And even from season one, I could never really figure out Jean's because he's just kind of some guy. And that's the point. He is the normal human being in all of this. He is the one without a traumatic uh, backstory. He doesn't have a deep family connection or whatever to any of the other characters. He doesn't have this weird quirk. He's just a normal dude. Talented enough to be in the top ten, but normal, yeah. But he's the audience XP in terms of morals, in terms of the way he looks at things. Like, he's the normal-ish guy here. He He worked his butt off. He wanted the easy life. He chose what he thought was the right thing to do instead. And he's thrown in this incredibly difficult situation with none of the same backstory or tools that a lot of the other characters have. And I like seeing that. I like that we have someone that is just, nah, he's just a dude. And he's dealing with all of this. Very rarely do you get to see that in a show that has such a fantastic setting and such fantastic situations. And yeah. the fact that they kept him alive for so being far. That was normal, helpful. for being a normal dude. So far. <laughs> I mean, he's a talented... But what I mean by normal dude, I'm not just like some guy off the street. Yeah. But he doesn't have... He's not secretly a titan. His dad wasn't the scientist. His, you know... He wasn't orphaned. He was he, none of that. He was a, a, a selfish character who had a complete character arc in season one. He mm-hmm. learned how to do the right thing, or he learned how to at least try to do the right thing. And here, as you said, that 
moral black and white sort of viewpoint is completely flipped on its head because he had to learn not to be selfish. And so he had this very simplistic view of this is right and this is wrong. And now he's in this situation where that viewpoint's been flipped and then sus like almost immediately dismantled. Like, it did not take long at all for Levi to just completely unravel that whole realization that Jean had worked himself up to, knowing what Armin sort of sacrificed for him. And something interesting, too, is Jean doesn't necessarily own up to the fact that he was the one that hesitated. Levi, in this whole conversation, goes, oh, no, the other person was the one that hesitated. That's why you had a chance to do what you needed to do, Armin. And Ar- that that makes it worse for Armin because he's like, that person was probably a good person then. Mm-hmm. I killed a good person. That puts more pressure and guilt on him. Like, I mean, Levi even says, like, the blood's on your hands now. Like, you're a different person. Embrace, Embrace the, the new you! you. <laughs> Which is one of those self-help quotes that's just kind of like, oh, context, though. Well, that's sort of what I'm afraid of. Because even though this is the first time that Armin has ever had to go this far, we've seen bits of brutality from him, not in a violent streak, but we've seen bits of brutality boil to the surface in previous seasons before, just from his stunning intellect. Pragmatism. Yeah. Brutal pragmatism. That whole scene with Bertolt in season two of knowing exactly what to say to get Bertolt distracted in order for them to try to save Aaron again. Like, Armin is... I mean, we we had an entire conversation about it last season about, like, most savage award goes to Armin this time around. Um, And so, like... Why break their bodies when you can break their souls? I mean, he doesn't view himself as a good... He doesn't view himself as a good person right now, but, like, we know he has a big heart. But knowing what he's capable of when push comes to shove, I'm really worried about... You know, the long-term ramifications of Levi going, embrace it. This is who you are. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, we, we are into break the cutie territory, and God only knows what the other side is going to look like. I'm just, I don't want him to become a super villain in a later season, guys. That's all. I don't think he would, though. I don't think he will. I think he might die, though. Oh, God, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the opening? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, opening I like think, the biggest giveaway, like the best indication of what's to come. Thank I mean, God at for least anime openings. Not, at least it's not Gun Gale Online, all right? That one gave away the twist in the opening. <laughs> that was a thing. It held back a little bit. Not entirely, but Here's a little bit. Here's our masked person. Cut to their identity. <laughs> like... Gun Gale didn't care. Not, um, not entirely. Um, but, but, it, but anyway, yeah. um, really quick, before we, we move on, uh, we want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Uh, Katie, would you be able to pull that up for me? Yes. Thank you. Uh, Maybe. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you. It's the best way to let our producers know that you guys like the show that we're putting on. Uh, and prior to everything sort of getting wiped away, you know, one of my highlights of my week would be 
to like looking up on iTunes to see what people had to say about the show. And so because those comments have been wiped away, it really is important that you guys go in and let people know that you guys love hearing a bunch of girls screaming about Attack on Titan. (laughs) (laughs) It makes us more searchable, helps us get guests, all this fun stuff. So do we have any new comments this week? I mean, we do, but we have one that is a commentary on plot stuff that may or may not be a spoiler. So uh, thank you, Catastrophe59, for commenting and leaving five stars, but I don't want to read that on air. I guess I did forget to give my disclaimer at the top of the episode. Yeah, but they left this on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Although there has been some manga talk in the chat, and guys, don't. All right, I guess I need to do it. it. But we're leaning on it. I'm just gonna have to have a sign with me Uh, every time we do Attack on Titan, guys. Please, no manga spoilers. Don't put them in the chat. Don't put them in the hashtag. Don't put them in the YouTube comments, and don't put them on iTunes now. Apparently, (laughs) we do want you to comment on iTunes though. So thank you guys, and we appreciate your guys' enthusiasm so so much. We're just all blind, and we want to stay that way, uh, so we can just see the show unfold. It's like, what happened to the days where anime would catch up so quickly to the manga that they had to result in filler episodes? We've left those behind. (laughs) That's why we waited for three years in between seasons. (laughs) Some of us suffered through Naruto filler and don't want to go back. I did my waiting. (laughs) No more. Twelve years of it. In hell, I <laughs> well, that's, bless you <laughs> again. That's something I, I know we've talked about it before, but I that's something I really appreciate about this show is that it had it wanted to be a faithful adaptation. If it wanted to to deviate and do its own thing, it could have. Or if it wanted to do a filler arc sort of situation for three years, it could have. Could it have been good? No, Pro- I mean. There's I'm not I'm gonna, curious. I'm not gonna throw it out completely because I'm sure there are some good filler arcs out there. But I that's not the sort of show that they wanted to make. They wanted to make a very faithful adaptation, and that's sort of what has attracted people to it is the pacing and the animation uh, along with the high concept and the interesting characters. If it if they went off and sort of did their own little tangent filler arcs, I outside of the OVA stuff that they've done, I don't think people would stay interested. And I think they mm-hmm. understand that too. And it also yeah. wrecks the pacing of the show. Completely. Yes. And they also there, there's also the option of the manga's not done yet. Let's get a few plot points from the author and then go do our own thing, which worked extremely well for Full Metal Alchemist and extremely poorly for Chrono Crusade. So that really oh, it's Chrono really Chrono Crusade. Yeah, the manga was great. The anime was one of the single worst things I've experienced. Uh, yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> <was> my heart. <laughs> oh, man. It's a matter mm, of opinion, but... Uh, adaptation but, decay. But, yeah, I can see them not wanting to do that. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what you think about animes that sort of deviate and do their own thing, separate from the manga, like, that's not what they clearly wanted to do. They went in with the intent of adapting the manga very faithfully, and that's what they've done, and I think that's what they're going to continue to do. Um, and for some people, that you know, that may be a blessing, that may be a curse. I don't know. I'm not how patient I, you are. I haven't read <laughs> this portion of the manga, so I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> I mean, to hell, I think. 
to to back to the old west. Apparently, I hope. So. I, you know, I'm kind of loving that bit. I'm kind of loving that bit. Um, all right, let's go ahead and to to get back to this episode specifically. Um, talking about moral ambiguity and what is and is not the right and wrong thing to do. Um, the MPs that were responsible for Pastor Nick's uh, passing. Um, with the help of the Reeve Corporation's leader, who, as as we pointed out last uh, episode, was the gentleman Mikasa uh, sort of kicked to the curb when his cart was preventing people mm-hmm. from evacuating. With his help, they're able to find out where Aaron and, and uh, his story are being held. Did I get Captive? that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, they're able to figure that out, and so they have, or not quite, because but at least they capture the MPs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're able to get information on in terms of where they can find these guys. And so that's what ends up happening. They end up trying to torture these guys for information. And I never thought I'd feel sorry for a person who tortures other people to death. You well, have empathy. Oh, it's a thing. It was. This whole sequence was so brutal. It was. I feel like it was brutal on Everybody, because not only was it brutal on his name was Sonis, right? I think yeah, so. I think yeah. it was Sonis. Not only is it brutal on him, obviously, but then Levi goes and he's like, "Yeah, I've never really tortured anyone before, right?" I doubt that he supposed to ask questions. Like, oh, silly me! I like, doubt that's that it's brutal to watch. It's like you can't. You're just torturing this guy to torture him. Like you're not even really thinking about what to get out of him. I mean, like I said, why break their bodies when you can break their souls? But they, and Hanji straight up threatened him last episode. Yeah, pass on to the guy who did the murder that I will destroy them. And lo and behold, here they are. Well, and I think the thing that really sinks in in terms of, that's that's something that um, I appreciate about this is that they don't glorify what's happening. Yeah. Um, like this is unpleasant for everyone all the way around and they keep the humanity there on all counts they keep it there with the cadets who have to hear it happening upstairs they keep it with the people who are actively having to do it and then they keep it with the the now victim who is now having to come to terms with what he has done to other people not, I never yeah. knew it hurt this much. Like, oh, buddy. Not, yeah. All around, that was just uncomfortable to watch. Uncomfortable just for the sheer fact that it's torture. Uncomfortable because, as you said, all of the cadets upstairs have to hear it. And But I am thankful that it didn't get any more gruesome than it did. Because we know this show can get pretty, pretty violent. So the fact that it kind of stayed where it was was, I think, a good place because if it had went any further than that it would have just been like really uncomfortable people are people in the chat are actually saying that they're disappointed because the manga went a lot further and oh, didn't sure censor anything and i'm like that's nice i'm this sure isn't a tarantino I'm movie i'm fine i'm good levi doesn't need to do a little dance to stuck in the middle with you i'm all right it's mm-hmm. fine um, didn't I, I, you know, let's just kind of keep it at that level. We got the point. We don't, we don't need to see things. He drops some, as he's again, having to come to terms with it. He stands by his convictions, but yeah, the, the knowledge of like the suffering that he's inflicted finally, finally settles in and he drops some truth bombs. The, and we see he's like, 
you know, we did what we have to do to keep the peace, whether it's a teacher asking too many questions, a stupid couple who tried to fly, or, uh, uh, or Historia's mother in this particular case. Now, we've seen that teacher before. He's in the opening. Specifically mm. in the sequence focusing on Irvin's past. Mm. Yep. Irvin. Is that Irvin's father? Either way, it kind of exp- in much the same way that Kenny explains a lot of Levi. Th- I would imagine that that guy explains a lot of Irvin. Yeah, probably. Whether it's just a teacher, a family friend, or yeah, a father. Yeah, a guy who knew too much and asked too many questions and was therefore killed. Like, yeah, I think that explains a lot of Irvin. And kind of going back to what I already like talked about earlier is like I love that fact that you know because there's this issue of like what's right and what's wrong and because people like again Levi and Irvin have this idea of it's more complex for them the fact that they're bringing in these people to explain their upbringing and to explain their past Kenny with Levi and this teacher man this dead guy <laughs> this other dude <laughs> with Irvin it's just I'm I'm really liking to seeing more of their backstory and kind of like what helped mold them to be because with the kids we know and a lot of their molding has come from titans so it's interesting to see how these other characters were molded by other people mm-hmm. yeah and you know we forget because this show opened with a, a titan attack the first you know first anything first incident within a hundred years to happen with a titan out you know that wasn't outside the walls with the survey corps mm-hmm. um you know so here's that means, moses's arm <laughs> that means everybody here unless they were active survey corps members or survey corps members in training that like their upbringings if there's tragedy involved probably don't involve titans mm-hmm. it's sort of like this where it's like oh no it involves asking too many questions there's also the couple now there's nothing in this quick moment to confirm or deny it, but I have a strong feeling that that's Armin's parents. Because they were smart. They talked about the outside world. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say Mikasa's parents. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, they... Oh, we got got one more thing to talk about, too. But, like, yeah, I just had a flashback. No, yeah, ask what I said. Uh, (laughs) We're going to have to talk about that, though. Um, So, yeah, I, I think this was Armin's parents. Is that they probably they with a hot air balloon? Which how cool would that have been? Um, Could it have gotten out of Titan arm range without going to the point where you run out of oxygen? Is my question. Oh, I think they would have had to touch down eventually. That's um, true too. Unless their plan was just to go up to see what was out there and then come back down. Possibly, because um, that that could have been it. They you know you don't want to go out there and get in Titan grabbing range and you're going to run out of fuel eventually but if you go up and you see what sort of the the land the, the sort of situation is and you can see how many Titans are out there or you can see something in the distance that maybe you could go to that is free from Titan grasp hey that's planning for next time it's about gathering that information mm-hmm. and so and the we, military police can't allow that and we know there's stuff outside the wall we know there's other locations outside the wall because Bertholdt and Reiner and Annie if, had to come from somewhere if they got up high enough they could have seen another set of walls and that might have been all it needed to be mm-hmm. that might have been reason enough to kill them so who yep. knows who knows but 
the thing about Historia, though, is that it seems that her mother was executed by the military police as well. What looks to be in front of her. Yep. Yep. That, yep. Yeah. Definitely not a happy story, as, as Irvin alluded to last episode. So, but we find out in this episode that there's a reason for that. There's a reason why she's seemingly so important. Because we're just thinking, okay, what is the bastard child of a random lord? What does she have to do with anything? Why would she know any secrets? Why would she be the key to unraveling anything? Oh, it's probably because she's the rightful heir to the actual throne. That the Reese family are the real royal family. What the hell, guys? <laughs> What's happened? So much. Ugh. Ah! <laughs> I have so many questions! That also explains why they want to get their hands on her, because it's possible that... Lord Reese, Governor Reese, Lord Reese, Lord Reese. Thank you. Either had other children and lost them in some way, or never had another child. So this is just the him using heir. her, or she's the sole heir, yeah. and she's important in some way. And the king that the, the royal family that we have on the throne now is either a decoy for some reason, or the Reeses were deposed, but still in some sort of power, like. Political things. We we've seen the surface. It could have been a Targaryen situation where they fled, (laughs) but he's still in power and still in these meetings. Yeah, like we haven't seen. We've seen the little tip of the iceberg, and we're about to crash our ship on it without realizing that there's thirty thousand more tons of ice beneath the surface. No, every time the show answers a question, I feel like immediately thirty more spring up. Yep, (laughs) that's. Sort of how I feel right now. It's like, oh, so she's going to be the queen. She's potentially the queen one day. Yes, mm-hmm. queen. Yes, queen. Yes, queen uh, Historia. Uh, but I mean, it makes so much sense on why they were near. Not only the fact that she's the sole heir, but the fact that they could honestly try to be molding her to take over what they want to do. Because they know that she's been in... The cadet, she knows that she's. I don't. I don't know if corrupted is the right word, but she. Know, they know that she has this. These ideals that she has been taught by being there. So of course they want her for the fact that she's a sole heir, but they probably also want her so that nothing gets ruined in their plans. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe what happened was uh, because she was an illegitimate child, and her mother was killed. Um, but she was left alive, and I imagine that that was Lord Reese's doing, uh, that he at least cared about her in some capacity to, to ensure that she wasn't killed on the spot, just like her mother. Or that was an edict from higher up. Or that the murder Possibly. itself was an edict from higher Who knows? What, I, I don't know sort of what Lord Reese's standing is in terms of, like, Again, whether or not the the royal family is a decoy, I don't think that's that's it. I feel like it was a deposed situation, but I feel like he had legitimate heirs, and that they're all dead now for some reason. And so, because previously the whole idea behind Historia was we're going to change her name and we're going to just quietly move her over here, and everyone within the order of the wall and the government was seemingly pretty happy about her joining the scouts to quiet uh, to die, to die a very quiet noble death they mm-hmm. were they were happy with that idea i wonder if and again my memory might be foggy from other seasons i wonder did he know that she was alive because he had a, it was a very like 
almost happy reunion. Like, he was like, he embraced her. He was happy to see I her. I feel like he's known about it. Maybe he didn't know about it until recently, but I feel like he's known about it at least in the extent of they've been talking about her in these meetings. So he's known about her at least for a couple days. Um, someone, I think, has always known about her. I'm sure someone has been keeping tabs on her because... Otherwise, how would Amir hear about it? Exactly. Yeah, def- definitely someone, but I also wonder if it was him specifically if it was or him anyone in tabs. His, yeah. We may find know. out next episode. I we don't, don't know. know. Uh, but speaking of the next episode, we finally get the uh, the ending sequence here, and it seems to focus primarily on Historia and Ymir, which is interesting because, again, Aaron and it has been our protagonist, and the focus has been primarily on our trio. So to have the entire ending focus more on the maybe future queen is a very interesting turn. And especially since this is the one, this is the one where we have the song from Logged Horizon, or Linked Horizon, which... I think it's Linked Horizon. Yes, Log Horizon is a different show. Yeah. <laughs> Linked Horizon. Um, and I actually did a little bit of digging, and the the new name of this ending theme, if I can actually find the right window, do-to-do, the new, uh, the new ending theme is Akatsuki no Requiem, or in German for some reason, <laughs> Requiem der Morgen. Genrote. And I'm really sorry that was the worst pronunciation in the world, and I also don't know what Akatsuki or Mogenrote mean in either of those languages. <laughs> if anybody in the live chat wants to let me know, please do. I don't know why I feel like Akatsuki has something to do with, like, old sam- like old-time samurais. I could be very, very wrong, but for some reason that's where my mind went. Because it was the name of the terrorist group in Naruto. Ah! So that's literally meaning dawn or daybreak. Oh, so Requiem for Daybreak. That's interesting. Requiem for Dawn. Actually, that makes a lot of sense looking at the lyrics here. Um, And if you listen closely, just like previous uh, Linked Horizon songs, there's a little bit of the previous theme in this one. And the bit where it goes into um, Sasageo, uh, I want to read this in English because it... I think it says a lot about the whole intent behind the song and the season. I offered my heart to unrestorable twilight. I progressed on until the night ended. Where is the paradise? Oh, guys. That's so good. Like, devote your hearts. Right. What have we devoted them to? We thought there was going to be a dawn. (laughs) All right. Well, we are running short on time. Any final thoughts uh, before we move into some quick rapid-fire predictions? Anti-ODM gear. Holy cow. So cool. They were planning on something like this at some point. Like, yeah, we made this gear in case we ever have to hunt down anyone using ODM gear. Mm. What? (laughs) Yep. I, I that was a that was a fun little screen cap to read. There's a lot to th- unpack in this season. Yeah, yeah that's one way to put it. Uh, more Levi. <laughs> <laughs> Just more, more Levi, Levi, please. Cross All the board. right, quick rapid fire <laughs> predictions. Yeah. Your After Buzz TV predictions. I just go ahead. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I just kind of want to stake it in. Someone's gonna die. I want to know more about our adults. And yeah. I think clearly we are going to learn more about our adu- our uh, adults. 
good. Oh, yeah, Jeremiah Winslow in the chat reminds us, uh, Levi Ackerman. Yes! Yeah. Oh, shoot! That's Sorry. a thing. We're running out of time. Guys, Levi Ackerman. Uh, guess who else has the last name Ackerman? Is it a small world thing or is it a John Smith thing? I think it's a John Snow thing. (laughs) So, guys, on that note, I'm just... Uh, on that note, Katie, where can people go if they want to find you? You'd think Historia would have the Jon Snow thing going She on. did! <laughs> I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. Yeah, we're, we're going to RTX. Follow the Twitter and all of that for the press coverage. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. And, uh, guys, don't forget to follow uh, Alexis at atorres890. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheMangu. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Thank you guys so, so much for watching. We will see you all next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Yes, Queen! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 